Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. What's the matter? It's your blood pressure, Mr. Fife. My blood pressure? Well, what's wrong with it? Well, it's rather low. Low? 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 Where does it say uh, Mr. Fife, uh, take my word for it, it's low. Well, what do we do about it? I think if we institute a series of shots, shots, the vitamin shots, supplemented by a regular diet, uh, checkups and blood counts and such, and this prescription to get that pressure back up, get a little iron into our system, you'll be fine. Now then, I'm sorry, I, uh, what were you saying about the sheriff and Miss Walker? Forget about them. Am I gonna pull through? <laughs> Kind of where we are as a nation, I think. Are we going to pull through? Is this is this perpetual, or is this seasonal? Um, we've talked uh, this month about this antidote for a sick nation, and we are sick. And we talked about looking at, at the reality of the fact that we can't be in denial about that. We have to recognize what, what, where we are and and where we find ourselves today, and uh, looking at, at the remedy for that. Turn to 2 Chronicles, if you will, chapter 7. This is a verse of scripture I know all of you know, uh, and all of you believe. I'm not sure all of us practice all of this, but if there were ever a cure for our nation, it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. So join there with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Four things today I want us to see from this cure of the Lord for our sickness as a nation. First of which is this, the cure starts with humility. With humility, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now, none of the rest of these things can take place unless humility has first been put in place. Uh, it's quite a challenge in an entitlement-centered cancel culture that we find ourselves living in today, to find humility. So is humility supposed to be social, or is it supposed to be spiritual, or is it supposed to be both? Well, listen, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, we see here that humility is both to God and to others. It's both spiritual and social. Now, if you're like me, the spiritual side of it is fairly e or easier. It's far easier for me to humble myself before God than it is before people. Um, I'm on the throne of my life more, more often than, than I need to be. And so humility to others and, and before others is much harder for me than humility before God. But he's called us to both of those things. However, 
Humility doesn't shrink back from a challenge. It just doesn't throw the challenge into, into someone's face. Uh, we, we think that, that God needs our help convincing this world that he is indeed God, but he can do that all by himself, believe me. And he's good at it. He, he can get our attention far more quickly than anything else and anyone else can. In fact, nothing speaks to his deity greater than humility does. Nothing speaks to his godness any greater or any louder than your humility and mine before him and before others. It becomes a, a, a clear and loud witness when we'll, we are willing to humble ourselves before God and humble ourselves before others because it's only in our minds that humility equals defeat. In God's math, humility equals victory. In our, in our human comprehension, in our mind, and certainly what the enemy wants to feed us, humility looks like defeat. It equals defeat. But he says here in Philippians 2 and in 2 Chronicles 7, humility looks like victory to me. It smells like victory. Taste it. Find it. Find, find the place where we seek that daily. The cure starts with humility. Secondly, it moves to prayer. If my people who are called by, by, my, by my name will humble themselves and pray. What follows humility is prayer. In fact, we can't pray from a from a place of arrogance. We can't pray effectively from a place of arrogance, from a place of entitlement, from a place of, of thinking we're on the throne and we know better than God. We have to humble ourselves for our prayer to be effective. So humility is first. But you've heard me say many times <clears throat> from this place that prayer is more about posture than it is about production. What do I mean by that? It means that prayer has more to do with submission than it has to do with success has to do with our humbling ourselves before him saying, I can't, but he can. I don't know how, but he does. So God usually doesn't answer or alter the outcome because of what we pray. He alters it because we're willing to pray, willing to come to him, willing to, to, to be void of our own authority, to lay our own rights down, our own desires, and turn those things over to him. And, and in doing so, we acknowledge, God, I can't. I cannot do this on my own, but you can, and you know what is best for me. It, it acknowledges he's nothing, or we're nothing, and he is everything. First Thessalonians 5.17 says to, to pray without ceasing or to, to pray continually, or in essence, to be in a spirit and attitude nonstop of prayer. That doesn't mean we're walking around, Heavenly Father, thank you, to, and we're bumping into things and praying on the way to work in the car with our eyes closed. We can pray on the way to work, just not with our eyes closed, hopefully. But being in a spirit and attitude of prayer to where there's not, we don't have to hit the pause button to pray. Or we don't have to shift gears to pray. We can pray anywhere, everywhere, for any situation in any moment. Again, we don't have to have our eyes closed and we don't even have to pray out loud. We can be in a spirit of prayer saying, God, I need your help here. I need your help with this conversation. I need your help with this meeting. I need you to make sense of this. And those things can be uttered to him even without even without out loud words, but to be in a spirit and attitude and consciousness of prayer is what he's talking about here to say, if you will humble yourselves before me and then pray, pray in humility, pray, pray from a place that acknowledges my godness and you, and, and you don't have those things. I'll, I'll, we'll see those promises in just a minute. But when we don't have to shift gears to pray, prayer becomes a lifestyle. If we've got to shift gears and hit the pause button and find the closet, Nothing wrong with prayer closets. Nothing wrong with pulling yourself aside. I do that as well. But to be in a spirit and attitude of prayer means that it's continual, regardless of the situation, regardless of who's around, 
what they see, what they experience, how freakish we may look sometimes in doing that. But we are in spirit and attitude of continual prayer. It's a part of who we are. It defines us. It's been said that prayer changes things. You've seen bumper stickers and T-shirts and things that says prayer changes. And it, it's true it does. But the first thing it needs to change is you and me. Before it changes our circumstances, it needs to change us. Before it changes, I, I found God willing to alter my circumstances. I have to find myself in a place of humil humility before him saying, God, I can't, but you can. And my prayer is more about the process of my submission to you than the answer from you. Because if my submission to you is true and from my heart, you're going to respond in the way that, that is, is for my good. I know every time. The cure starts with humility, moves to prayer. But thirdly, the cure moves to presence. If my people humble, humble themselves and pray, and this third phrase is seek my face. Now, this idea of seeking his face here in this particular passage has less to do with the search and more to do with security. It has less to do with his performance and more to do with his presence. In essence, is what he's talking about here. So why is this so important? Because we don't pursue him because he has the cure. We pursue him because he is the cure. Huge difference between those two things. We don't seek him and seek his face because he knows what's best. We, we seek him and seek his face because he is the cure to our sickness, whatever our sickness is, whatever is wrong with us, whatever is wrong in our world, that he is the cure. He doesn't just know the cure but he is the cure. And because that's true, when we know that beyond any shadow of doubt, that you're in the hand of God, that changes everything. When you know you can't, you can't be plucked from his presence, from his hand, it changes everything in how we pray, changes everything in how we see his, his involvement in our world and in our situations. Uh, th th that knowledge of his presence <clears throat> is always enough or should always be enough. So this virus or the cult cultural turmoil that's come from it, or that we find ourselves in, or the election, or the economy, or you fill in the blank. If it has you stressed and anxious, we need to learn once again how to rest in his presence. I've, I've pointed out to you several times, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 3 to 5 says, this idea that I've got you. Regardless of where you are, regardless of your circumstances, God's saying, I got you. And then verses 8 to 11, the same, same chapter of Isaiah 46, he's saying, I've got this. I've got your circumstances. I've got you in this situation. I see where you are, and I've got, I, I am enough. Now, if that isn't enough uh, for, for you, it, 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 instead of seeking his face, you need to seek a bigger God because your God isn't big enough. But that's not enough for you. The promises that he has in his book can be trusted. His promises are always trustworthy. Put them to the test. This signation we're in can and needs to see in us that he is indeed the cure for our sickness. The cure starts with humility. It moves to prayer. It moves to presence. But fourthly, the cure finishes in repentance. If you'll humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn, turn from your wicked ways. Repentance is, is far easier when, when we are humbled, when we are praying, when we are confident about his presence, it's really difficult when those things aren't in, in place in our lives and aren't a part of our lives. That's used a, a signal that complacency has taken over and has blinded us to the truth. That's true of us. The truth that we, that, that, in fact, the truth that they aren't the problem, I'm the problem. The fact that <clears throat> I'm, I'm pointing to a, culture and a, to a culture and to a world 
that desperately needs to see Jesus and is running from him. Yet, my spiritual problem, first of all, starts in me and, and transfers through me to, to other folks. <clears throat> that th- this idea of, my, uh, of a passive ap- approach to Christ has helped me, or in essence gives me, as the scripture says, eyes to see, but see not, and ears to hear, yet hearing not. If no one's ever explained repentance to you, let me do that this morning. Repentance is turning 180 degrees away from your authority, away from your way, away from your will, away from your wants, away from your desires. Turning 180 away from those and seeking the desires God has for you, going his way, giving all of that today and every day back over to him. It's, it's this idea of daily losing ourselves behind all that he is to say, I can't do this. You can. I don't want what I want. I want what you want for me. I, 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 I want your ways for me. I want to see that of submitting ourselves totally to the Lordship of God. Now, if you've never done that, you're in a place today where you can. You're in a place today where it's safe to to find your, your, your submission to his lordship today in this room before you leave this place. But these promises of humility, of, of prayer, of seeking his face, finding comfort in his presence, and, and, and repentance, though, those four elements of the cure have some incredible promises behind them. What are they? He says, look at these three promises. I'll hear you, I'll forgive you, and I'll heal you. I'll hear you, I'll forgive you, and I'll heal your land. Incredible promises if we'll, if we'll put those four elements of the cure in place. He, he will promise to do that every time. So a couple of questions as we wrap up, and they're this. One is, the first is this, are you one of his? He starts this verse by saying, if my people who are called by my name, are you one of his? Have you trusted him as your savior today? Have you submitted to him as Lord? You say you know him. But here's the question, does he know you? Does he know you? If he doesn't know you, you can claim to know him all you want. You're, you're, you're lost and bound for hell today. Uh, that's harsh, hard and harsh truth, but it's truth nonetheless. You're in a place today where you can, where you can meet him as your Savior. Or perhaps you, you have trusted him as your Savior and heaven is your home, but nobody ever explained to you about the Lordship of Christ and how to submit to his Lordship, the fact that he is Lord, Master, Ruler, over my time, my talent, and my treasure, my thoughts, all that I have belong to him. I want to explain to you today that the promises of this single verse of Scripture, the cure that he has here, promises his lordship in your life. If we'll humble ourselves, pray, seek, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sins, heal our land. That, that humility, that prayer, that repentance is making him Lord, and that's a daily process. So I want to encourage you today, if you've never done that, to not leave this place before you do. The second question, final question is this. Is your identity wrapped up in him? What do people see when they look at you? Do they see you or do they see him? What are you known for? What what, what do people know about you? What is is your testimony? What follows you around, whether you like it or not? Um, Is his name written upon your heart? Because if it isn't, he doesn't know you. If he doesn't know you, you're going to stand before him one of these days thinking, God, I went to church a lot. I sang a lot of songs. I put some money in the plate. I, I even served you through the, through the local church. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. 
What, what, what a harsh, and intentionally so, what a harsh departure that's going to be uh, for, for many to think and believe, I'm okay. I went to church. I, did, I, I had faith. Faith in what? He's calling here for relationship. He's calling here to say, if my people who are called by my name, if you know me and if I am known by you, you're mine. If you're not, you need to find me. That's what he's saying today. I pray you don't leave this place until you find him. I, I pray that, that uh, his Holy Spirit will speak to your heart this morning, even, even as you, you sit here, that, that you think, I've been in church maybe most of my life or all my life. If there's never been a point at which you recognized your lostness, you recognize your, because of your lostness your need for a Savior and confessed him into your heart, invited him into your heart as Savior and Lord and confessed him publicly. And I'm going to tell you, you don't know him. Uh, salvation is not occur, it doesn't occur by osmosis. It's a growth process, yes, but it's a growth process that begins with a singular event, the event of our realizing our lostness <clears throat> and inviting him into our heart to save us. I want to encourage you and challenge you today to do that if you never have. If you're here, as I said, and you, you know Christ as your Savior, but nobody's, this concept of lordship is, is just a new concept to you, find that place today of humility, of prayer, of repentance, of turning and seeking his face. Find that place of acknowledging his lordship today before you leave here. Uh, Doc is available to you. Uh, I am as well after worship. But you're welcome as Leanne comes to play in just a moment to come here and pray and find him as your Savior before you leave this place. Let's, let's pause to do that. Father, I thank you today for your son Jesus and the fact that because of what happened at the cross, this scripture jumps off the page to us. It is, it is real and relevant to us because we understand humbling ourselves before you. We understand praying, crying out to you in prayer to say, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all that I've done. Forgive me of my sinfulness, my, the nature of who I, who I am. <clears throat> Let me seek your face. Let me find presence in you. Let me find peace in your presence, assurance in that place. And let me turn and repent and walk away from what I want and walk toward you. I pray today that we'd find that place. If that's a place you've already found, I pray that the truth of this message today would reinforce in our hearts what that needs to be lived out and walked out and spoken in my world and the world around me. That needs to be put on display. Speak to our hearts today about our need for walking in truth, letting you be seen and known, bringing, bringing, giving voice to the faith that we have in our heart, or finding you as our Savior here for the very first time. I pray for courage every person in this room that they would leave changed because they've been exposed to truth. Changed because they've been in the presence of a holy God. I thank you today for the power of your word. Let it find a resting place and a lodging place in our hearts and cure us from the sickness that is in us. Our sickness is not viral or racial or political. It's spiritual. Teach us to walk in the truth of this verse day after day after day and live it out in front of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.